0: From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and ageing at work and in society, my mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Have you ever felt that you're losing confidence? That you're doubting yourself, loss of confidence, letting our inner talk take over, is very common as we go through perimenopause. With all the changes that are going on in our bodies, the way we might feel received or maybe even invisible in the world, all impacts us. But we can change that around. Our mindset, our inner talk, our self belief, and wiping away that self doubt—the key to that. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Mindset and Confidence Coach Faye Cox, and we're going to dive a lot deeper into that. Welcome to the show, Faye. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to our chat today. Yes, I'm looking forward to it too. Self-confidence. What do we mean by that? I mean, just starting somewhere like that, you know, you know it's such a big word we hear, confidence, self-confidence. What are we really talking about, Faye, here?
1: Well, we all talk about self-confidence as a whole. But self-confidence is, if we look at that first word in there, is about the self. So it's how we feel about ourselves, but from the inside out. Real self-confidence comes from inside. It comes from within us, with who we believe we are, that acceptance of ourselves and the path that we choose for our lives and where we take ourselves. There is a lot That we talk about regarding confidence from an external view which is how other people see us and perceive us how confident we are within our abilities but in order for us to really get to that self acceptance and self confidence we need to go within ourselves and let go of some of those beliefs that we may have that have been given to us primarily a lot of the time by society Parents, peers, teachers, friends along the way. And sometimes we need to learn to let go of certain things in order for us to accept and build that confidence.
0: I love that. That's such a great description that it really is all within ourselves.
1: Yes. And I, I made this mistake myself. I kind of, I based my confidence on outside validation, on what other people thought, how other people Saw me, I was very self conscious of what people thought of me. What were they going to say about me? What were they going to think about me? So, and I based everything that I did in my life around outside perspective. So I looked out of myself for that approval and confidence. And it wasn't until I learned that actually I needed to go in and I needed to go quite deep. I needed to do that work. Some part was quite scary. There's some dark tunnels that I kind of that I entered, but we need to go into those places in order for us to then come back out the other side, lighter and brighter, and as our real, true confidence selves.
0: That's true, and a lot of women, and I know that this is a group that you really focus on, particularly women in midlife, do hit that confidence crisis and start comparing themselves with. Other people, if I'd say they're comparing their inner world with other people's outer world. Yes. And this is something that I think we all, we, we all do. Self-confidence,
1: like I said, does come from within very much so, but we're always working on that confidence. There are people that you may see, and this goes from that sort of the, that inner world to other people's external world, is I may look at somebody else and My perception is that they are probably one of the most confident people that I met on the outside. But then when I have a conversation with them and we go a little bit deeper, we can then, I can then discover that actually within themselves, they don't necessarily have that confidence. So we have to be careful about what we perceive. So we need to then think about what it is that we really want. And at that certain time of life, as we get to a certain age and and certain changes start to happen within ourselves, it's a good time to take a little step back and think, right, okay, rather than looking sort of behind and at everybody else and thinking, oh, I remember my younger self, my slimmer self, my younger looking skin self, that, that kind of stuff. We need to start looking at then how we want to move forward. How do we want to change things? How
0: do we want life to look for ourselves going forward? Because we can't go backwards we've been there. That's true. And I think you made two really great points. First is that a lot of people can appear very confident on the surface. And I certainly remember that. But let's just go back to where we were. And we're saying a lot of women, and certainly a lot of women that I've met and worked with, can look incredibly confident on the outside. And project that into the world in such a way that it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that they then seen as this confident, capable person. But inside, it can really be a different story, can't it? It can, yes. And
1: I would probably class myself as in one part of at some stage of my life where I've done that myself, and I would use clothes, for example. So I quite, you know, I like a, a kind of like a trouser suit. I like to be sort of smart, you know, like the power suit kind of thing and heels and, and that kind of stuff. And I do feel confident in, in those clothes. They do make me feel better. There's a lot to be said for for knowing your clothes style, the colors that suit you and wearing clothes that make you feel empowered. And that does help on a certain level with your confidence but then, if you don't have that confidence, then with inside you, that outer the outer clothing as the outer shell, as I call it, can be cracked quite easily. So that outer confidence, like I said, is great, and that's a good way to start building that confidence because when we're looking at it, we do need to start somewhere. So if we start with that outer confidence, for for a lot of us, that's an it's an easy win. It's quite a quick win for us to be able to do that, and it's a starting block.
0: Yes, definitely. I think I think we all feel like that. And I think in COVID times (laughs) where we've been kind of tempted to put on pajama bottoms and not brush your hair, this sense of putting on a good front, popping on your earrings and a bright top, you know, can really lift you when you've been locked away. But in a great place that it is a good space to wear, to wear something that makes you feel good, that lifts you up, because it does have that positive effect. What I also noticed, and I'd love your thought on that, is that women sometimes front up more than clothes. And I've seen particularly more women do that in when they rock up to meetings. So they're quite loud and there's opinions coming out and there's a certain bravado, but the reality of their lives have often been, or even their confidence in their ability can be very different. How do we overcome some of that as well? A lot of the time, and
1: we see this in, the, in women and- I work with um, quite a few men as well, and I, I see this a lot in all kind of generations, and you know, male, female, and a lot of that is to kind of overcompensate because we get this feeling that we need to be a certain way. So we need to walk into a room a certain way to feel a certain feeling, to get a certain level of respect and acceptance. Again, which are good first steps when you're building that kind of confidence for yourself. But once you get to that point where you find that inner confidence and you know who you are, where you want to go, and really importantly, how you want to show up to the world, how you want people to see you and remember you. And one of the things I always do with my clients, and I actually did it with myself, and I work with young teenagers as well, and, and I do this with them too, is I send them to To look at where they get to. So they're kind of maybe 80, 90s. We want, obviously we want everybody to have a lovely, long, healthy, happy life. And when they get to that, to, you know, to that point where they may not be very well, or they may even have left us, how do they want to be remembered? What kind of person do they want to be remembered for? And the thing, what do they want to be remembered for? How do they want to be remembered by the people who are standing up and talking about them? And it's a really good starting point. To go so far sort of into the future and come back because it's a really good place to be able to help you think, right, okay, what is it that I want? How do I want people to see me? How do I want my confidence to, to show up? Where do I want it to take me? Because I want to get to that point where people are talking about me, where I've achieved that in that, that level of confidence and feeling and self belief in myself.
0: I love that because that's just so, Different because as we get older, you know, it's not our looks. We may not even strut into a room anymore, but we're leaving behind maybe more of a feeling, Faye, aren't we?
1: Yes. And I think if we're all honest, obviously we all, for us, we're all looking for acceptance, belonging and love. When we look at, you know, Haslow's hierarchy of needs, those are, you know, those are the kind of, those are the levels. Of things that as a human and that connection that we all want to have, they're part of our humanitarian needs. So that kind of connection style and having that as well, I think is really important. And, but we, our lives are so busy. We have such busy lives. We live in such a busy society. It's so easy to disconnect from the people around us, our loved ones, but also ourselves. And it's ourselves. We don't reconnect with first. And for me, one of my biggest learnings as a mum and as I've got older is I need to put myself at the top of the pile. So I now fill my cup first. My cup now overfills into my children's cup so that their cups are full. I was doing it the wrong way around. I was filling their cup constantly. And all that was happening was that my cup was just getting drained and it was never being refilled. And that's also helped me with my confidence in my self-acceptance and self-belief in myself.
0: Yes, because we're suddenly valuing ourselves, aren't we? We're suddenly not saying, oh, well, everybody else comes first. And I was having that conversation with another guest earlier this week, and we were saying, well, sometimes we do have to put small children pretty much top of the list because they're small children. But we've got to remember that we're somewhere near the top of the list and other days, we are top of the list because otherwise, as you said, there's nothing left to give and we can't serve from empty cups. No, and we all have that. And we'll have all have
1: said to ourselves and we'll have all have said out loud, and I'll be honest, you know, with everything with the world as upside down kind of as it is where we've had the kids at home and all the different things that we've been dealing with is I have uttered the words in the last couple of months, I've got nothing left to give. And when I feel like that, I'm sort of like, right, okay, I know that maybe this week I haven't done enough for myself. Now, for me, life is all about balance, whether it's to do with your diet, relationships, obviously parenting, work, life. It's about finding that balance. But there's no perfect balance. And we trick ourselves into thinking that balance means a perfect. So it's, you know, the whole thing's balanced. Your scales are balanced and it never tips the scale will always tip one way or the other. And it's about focusing on what needs your focus this week. So one week, it might be a little bit more that the, the kids need your focus because there's some stuff going on in their lives or your partner. But there are always going to be weeks where you have to think to yourself, like, what needs my focus this week? The in natural fact is me.
0: Yes, and I like that approach to work-life balance. I think what it does is takes off some of the pressure that we feel, even in that concept of, as you say, trying to play this constant balancing game. And life isn't like that. I think it's not just weeks. It can be whole periods in our life if we have someone who isn't well, if we need to really focus on our business because it needs our attention. And so it it kind of, and then there are other times when you think, well, I've got a whole week with not as much to do. How can I actually focus on me? So I think there's, it's in different stages, isn't it? There's like, what do we do daily? What do we do, maybe weekly, and then how does that look on sometimes a more macro level?
1: Yes, definitely, and this is what, and I see a lot of my clients where they're getting this wrong, and I did exactly the same thing. Is where this perfectionism came I used to struggle with perfectionism massively, and that was sort of a, a belief in the programming I had from an early from early childhood that in order to be sort of accepted and to belong, I, I had to be perfect. So I always thought, right, okay, if I haven't got the perfect work life balance, then I'm failing. Well, I no longer believe that at all. And it's, it's an unhealthy thought pattern to, to have that. Because like you say, there are certain focuses that we need to have maybe for a week or for a month. And it's about, pl- and there is a certain amount of planning that we need to have around that rather than flying by the seat of our pants as we so often do because we have this fast spin of the washing machine, as I call it, which is our mind just going over and over and over with thoughts and thoughts. We have to do this, we need to do this, and thoughts and thoughts and thoughts. We need to slow that down. We need to slow it down to a kind of nice, gentle rinse, so that we can gain more control over it rather than it controlling us.
0: Yes, and I think that's the real balance, isn't it? How do we put ourselves back in the driver's seat even if there are times when it feels very busy, we have the ability to sort of take the foot off the gas a bit and go, okay, actually I need to do that or I can do that more slowly or I can learn to to delegate.
1: Yes. Delegation, again, for me was very difficult because I never trusted anybody else to do things. It would always be like, well, I could do it quicker and better myself than explaining it to other people. And I think that's something that a lot of us have again and some of that comes from that kind of perfectionism and that programming that we have but for me I learn and one of the things that i I actually teach is by being more and doing less we actually create more and we are actually able to get more done so we need to slow
0: down to speed up that's the paradox, isn't it? It feels very weird that in in actually slowing thing, certain things down, giving some letting go of some of them I mean letting go is a huge issue, I think, particularly for if our confidence isn't very high, if we don't really believe in ourselves, as you said, it's hard to trust to let go, to delegate bits and be more, just have more time and I certainly can say that when I went through my mindfulness training, that was one of the biggest things, that I could actually, you know, have time out and just be, you know, not do anything in particular. Yet I wasn't, in essence, achieving less. And I'm not achieving less when I take that time out and, you know, do whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to be an activity. I think that's one of the things that being is just being sometimes.
1: (laughs) Yes, and you'll always find that when you're being – in the real natural, purest sense of the word, being, that's when you actually step into your creative power. So that's and you'll, you'll notice that that's when your creative juices start flowing. So whether you're running a business, that's when you'll start to, this is when all the ideas start to pop into your head and they all come. So we are still doing and focusing, being productive, doing all the things that we need to do. But we are allowing, we're allowing
0: that to flow. And I actually like that description better, Faye, because I think people have maybe a a misunderstanding of what being was. And I posted something about that on LinkedIn and there was this man that goes, what do you mean do nothing? You have to do something. And and what we're really doing is in being in the natural sense, it's more like we're just allowing, We're we're not focusing on any particular task. We're just allowing things to happen. Maybe we're just going for a walk. Maybe we're sitting out on our chair for 10 minutes. But you're right. If you have a business, your productive ideas, your creativity flows, if you're just doing that in a job, you might find a way to work better with others. We don't know what that will, will how that will unfold or, or be, shall we say, to be. It helps massively with your solution-based thinking. So when you have a
1: problem, whether it's in your career or a personal problem, also having that time to allow and accept gives us those times to, to, to really think about where those thoughts or those problems might be coming from. And I call it accept, allow, and let go. And it's a, it's a process that you have through your mind. But also that allowing helps you step into that solution-based thinking rather than creating a problem on top of a problem and then finding another problem to stop you solving the problem about the problem
0: yeah and I think that Faye is an incredibly important concept for the listeners here because menopause and going through that journey is a lot about allowing accepting and letting go of parts of yourself that you once were yeah and then that comes
1: back to yeah so the allowing and and letting go of and then looking actually Towards the future and um, how you want to then change things, how you want to create things moving forward. There will be certain things in life that you let go of, but letting go is so powerful because if you let go of certain things, it's it's like being able to say no to something. So if you say no to the things that no longer serve you or don't work for you anymore or that are unavailable anymore, it opens the door to saying yes to all the other opportunities that are trying to present themselves to you. So as we start to let go, stuff starts to present itself to us because we are open to receiving that. We can see it consciously. We start to see that stuff come towards us and it helps us then go, right, okay, this door might be closing here, but there's a door here that's opening for me. I'm going to take a little walk through there and see what happens.
0: Exactly. And I I think that that power of opening and closing doors, and that's often a very powerful techniques in various psychological methods, that you are actively closing certain doors and allowing them to close in your mind, however you do that.
1: Yeah. Choosing, making a choice is because we have a choice. Make that choice. Trust your instinct and let go and actually as you let go of that stuff you become more trusting and you start to work with your instinctive sort of gut feeling more.
0: Yes and sometimes that requires quite a bit of work doesn't it Faye I mean often you see that all over social media let go but it it really requires as you said earlier some deep work. Practice as well
1: is we have to start with the smaller things and it's the same as I, I recommend to anybody is if you try and do deal with this, the really big problem. So we might have this, you know, we would have this thing that they, they want to change certain big things in their life, which is great, amazing. But if you then go, right, I just want to change this one big thing, you don't do with all the, the little things that led to it, that may be involved in it. It just becomes overwhelming. And then people give up because it's kind of like, well, I can't do it because it's just too big. It's the smaller things first and practice those. That then becomes, you become more confident in that because confidence is in the doing. So as we do things, we grow in confidence.
0: Yes, yes. And and, and it is like you said, it's the small things. It's sometimes saying no to something that you don't want to do. As we I find that's a very hard word, I think, no. But they don't have to be no to the big things in life. We could actually say no thank you or no, I don't have time for things that I might want to do. We can sometimes let go of things we've maybe held on in our wardrobe for a long time. There's all sorts of ways, aren't there, Faye, in these little steps? Or oh, don't get this started with them decluttering. I'm a
1: massive fan, massive fan of decluttering, because our houses and how we keep things are a really big reflection of our inner selves of what goes on internally. So letting go of some of that external stuff, material items, is a really good place to start. So um, I have a program, which is this is the first thing that we do. So we let go of the old stuff, and then we look at what we want to then bring in. Then we look at the stuff that's draining us. So like you say, being able to say no to certain things. Are we doing stuff on a weekly basis that's draining us, that we feel we should doing
0: yes when in actual fact we don't have to be doing it at all no we don't have to we can choose and i'm a massive decluttering fan as well and i'm i'm a real like get in there do i wear these clothes no do they fit anymore no i go around going what are all these books that i'm and i have done so much and i'm sure if my mother could hear this as she'd be turning in her grave she probably thinks what has she done i have got rid of nearly all of those things that didn't serve me anymore. I wondered why I was carting things around the world. And I'll tell this, and it, it might shock some people, but my great grandparents had a dinner service that lived in a special cupboard, you know, only came out at Christmas and my mother held on to it. And you would have thought it was the most precious thing. And then when she passed away, I got this thing. And I realized here I had this dinner service, some of which was aging badly that I never, ever used. And I couldn't find a use for it because it wasn't dishwasher safe. It just didn't work. And there were bits missing. And I actually sold it. Because here in Sweden, it has some value. And I and I just thought, I'm done with this. I cannot do this anymore. Why is this following everybody around the, the world? And literally, it had moved from country to country. And it never comes out. And it was only supposed to come out at a special occasion. Well, what special occasions do I have? And when I let go of it, there was this huge freeing up of cupboard space, of, of energy, of this obligation. And I was able to let go of that and it was, it was very freeing. And I'm, I'm sorry if you think that's a bit shocking, but you know, it, it felt really good. I come from that, that definite same rule of thumb, to be, to
1: be honest. And that, even as you're telling that story, I'm picturing in my own parents' house, they're, they're, they're moving quite soon. So they're kind of packing up their their life and and I even said to them they went half of this stuff does not need to go with you. They've got glass cupboards everywhere with best stuff in. And a lot of this again comes from that childhood programming is that you have certain things for best and certain things for everyday. And I was brought up like this especially with clothing. So you'd have your best clothing and your everyday clothing. Well I never wore any of my best clothing so it got wasted. And 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 I got to that point. I was like, What what am I waiting for? What's this rainy day best thing I'm waiting for? I've got clothes; they're there to be worn, or stuff's there to be used. You buy it to use it, not just look at it. It's let's yeah, let's use it and enjoy it. Is that not what the our material things around us are are for? To
0: also enjoy. Otherwise, I sort of started to question myself: Why are they here? If they don't add value to your life, why are they here? Well, why are they here? So yes, I'm a massive declutterer and you wait till I've got onto hubby's stuff, you know, because we've had, as you know, two house house sales and we didn't have that much from one house. All of the rubbish was his. And then when he emptied out his cottage, oh my God, I've got like boxes here. And it's all full of old textbooks from his days in San Jose University. That's 30 plus years ago. And I went, so we're having a bonfire, aren't we? I I think there are
1: certain things that people like to keep hold of and I do do understand that do get that there's stuff that has sentimental value and that is that's okay that is absolutely okay but we do when you start to do that and and you look at that like that story that you just mentioned it tells you a lot about that programming and stuff that whether it serves you now or not and what you're holding on to because it also lets us know that, begs the question, what else are we holding on to because of those
0: beliefs that actually don't belong to us? Exactly. And I think we carry a lot of limiting self-beliefs, don't we, Faye, with us, into our adulthood. We do. And it's one of the things that I've had to do myself is I've had
1: to unpack my own backpack, as I call it, my metaphor that, that I use. So I unpack my own backpack. And I've worked with a lot of clients where we unpack their backpack of all these old beliefs and values and stuff that they've picked up along the way from, again, from peers, family members, bosses, teachers, sports coaches, any or any kind of coaches that they may have had. And then we only put back the values and the beliefs that are going to serve them from that very day forward. And the stuff that isn't going to get them where they want to be, the life they want to lead, the confidence maybe that they want to achieve, we leave them behind
0: and we unpack them and we let them go. That is such a powerful process, Faye, because I'm not sure that we're always aware of what we're carrying around with us. On a conscious
1: level, we're definitely not.
0: Until we start looking at that
1: and start questioning and challenging certain thoughts and beliefs, Um, I now parent totally differently to how I parented my children when I first had them from their very, very younger years. Because now I've done that work and realized that actually some of my parents' parenting doesn't fit with who I am and how I want to parent, who I am, the beliefs, but also the beliefs and values I want my children to take through into life. So sometimes it's about breaking that cycle and knowing that it's okay because our parents it's not that our parents on purpose have done this a lot of it would have come from their parents how they were parented so we only know what we know
0: yes and what we've experienced from as you said our own families our teachers our friends our our partners and our in places where we've worked and we pick up all these things about how you're supposed to be and i do think that particularly as we get into midlife as women here there is kind of a unique opportunity as we change, should we say physiologically, we have a, an immense opportunity to at the same time, let go of a tremendous amount of this stuff that weighs us down and love love the description of it being like smog, you know, it's should, must, ought and got and it hangs like a big cloud over you and letting go of that is very, very powerful and beliefs are a big part of it. Is
1: it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's actually the working on that and recognizing those beliefs and unpacking that back is probably, is incredibly powerful and it's one of my favorite things to do.
0: Yes, and along with that comes those beliefs also, don't they, they create a way of speaking to ourselves?
1: Yes, most definitely. Again, our self-talk has, comes very much from that programming, um, from what we hear, what we've been told. So then, and then again, we carry that, through our entire lives until we actually go, do you know what? Is this right? Is this for me? Is this who I am? Is this who I want to be? Do I want to take this forward with myself? And so, and our self-talk is so incredibly powerful. And we don't realize, we're, we're programmed for the negative. Let's, you know, let's be honest, we're programmed to look for the, for the negatives. Evolution has this thing, obviously, where We used to be, you know, we were animals, we were five dinosaurs and we had all these predators, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have that now, but that's still that program. We still have that negative focus because obviously our ego and our subconscious wants to protect us at all times. And in some cases, that's good. We need that. But it tries to protect us too much these days. So actually it ends up holding us holding us back. So we have to be careful about the way we speak to ourselves. So... We need to start reframing some of those thoughts and the words that we use. There are words that are so incredibly disempowering. And the word I should is one of those. Because for me, the word I should always belongs to somebody else. It never belongs to us. So we're doing something we should based on what somebody else thinks, what somebody else has told us, what somebody else believes, what's working for somebody else.
0: Or what society thinks, <laughs> you know, you know, this sort of bigger thing that, he, that we may not even be able to pin that to a person, but it can be what we see in the media that sort of, and that may have gone on for years and years, you know, in the, that we are, it's almost like a subliminal thing. It's dripping into your brain as this is what you should be like.
1: Yes. So it's like that, that drip feed. It's that fly under the radar and soak into the subconscious without people even realizing that that's what's happening. And the media do that very, very well. If we look at um, COVID, for example, that has been done so incredibly well. I have conversations with people, and I go, well, "Have you, have you realised that this is probably what's coming? Because they're drip feeding it. It's not drip being drip fed through your conscious. It's going straight down into that, that into kind of like your subconscious. Mind because it's a clever way of doing it. That slow repeat." the mind loves repetition. So if you repeat something to your mind enough, it will start to believe. And if we can believe those negative things about us, all that stuff that's been repeated to us or that we've repeated to ourselves, we can retrain our mind to believe more positive things about ourselves. But again, it needs to be repeated and it needs practice. There's no magic wand. None of this happens overnight. It is, It is a journey and it's work. And sometimes... It feels difficult, but every time you go into that phase where you feel this is really difficult now, I'm not sure I can, I'm not sure I can, that's when you really need to hold on. It's like a roller coaster ride. So hold on tight at that time because you're about to come out the other side.
0: Yes. And it can be with the smallest things and the biggest things. I find that, you know, that is important in our relationships, the way we talk to each about ourselves and the way we relate to other people in, in close personal relationships. I think women have this huge conversation about our bodies. We're talking about how we're perceived. I think there's, that's a lot of the conversation now that feels like we're changing and shifting this discussion around aging and what the media and has drip fed what our families have drip fed into our heads about being 50 plus and now this kind of complete change in how women are perceiving themselves at 50 plus which is really interesting and in how we start to reframe those conversations in our own head instead of asking things like am I too old to wear this or you know or whatever that kind of limiting conversation is we can shift those and they're very powerful
1: yeah and that comes from working on and doing those that values work and looking at ourselves so that we get to that point where we go within and look at what it is that we want, you know, what we want to do, how we want to be perceived, or how we want to show up in the world, rather than going outside of ourselves and worrying about how other people want us to behave, to be seen, to be heard. And there's the 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 classic thing, obviously, like you just touched on there, about certain clothes that women should wear at certain ages. Well, this. Who made somebody God on that one? Who made somebody vice president of who wears what at what age? Where there are some women of, of, you know, all all kinds of different ages that will just be like, if it makes you feel good, if you look in the mirror and you think, I feel good, I look good, and I feel good, then do you know what? That's up to you. That's entirely up to the individual what it is that you want to wear. And we all have different styles, different colorings and things like that where there's different colors and stuff that suits us. If we know that that's where we are and we are comfortable ourselves, nine times out of 10, those people who are going to judge you for that, you are triggering something within them. So it's never about you, always about them. Exactly.
0: And it's almost like this conversation about inner talk and beliefs takes us full circle back to confidence. It's like, everything is interconnected, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And if we start to talk more positively, not just about ourselves, but to other people. So if we get that communication between ourselves and other people into a more positive thing, because what you put out into the world comes back to you. Whether you call it karma, whether you call it the universe, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, how you treat people comes back to you. How you treat yourself comes back to you. So it all starts as one encompassing, uh, it's all one encompassing thing. So it all, like you say, all interlinks into into one thing.
0: Yeah, but somehow it always comes back to you, if I'm correct. There.
1: It does, and it, and it does. And I think this is the hardest thing for all of us is to get to that point where we go, right, okay, some, a situation isn't happening right. I don't feel good about this, so I don't feel good about that. Instinctively, we go, right, it's because Or so-and-so over there did that. Or, oh, that's because this isn't working properly. So we look outside of ourselves. We look externally first. When we start to go, actually, no, what is it I can do differently? What is it that I could change? What is it that I can create? When we look and go within first, it's massively
0: life-changing.
1: It changes absolutely everything. And then we may look at, okay, so what can I do, da-da-da-da-da, and then in certain situations, there are going to be other people involved. So then we look at the external outside and go, okay, so how can we change this? What do we need to do here? Because then when we go in first, we are learning to respond rather than react. Yes.
0: And that's the biggest thing because then um, responding is choice.
1: Yes. And you will always respond in a karma, calmer, more growth mindset, more positive way than if we react because we react through our ego we was and we but we respond through our heart and our gut feeling.
0: that is the best description i've heard of responding (laughs) okay i I love that you know that that, it is ego versus something much more deep and more more in ourselves felt heart and gut yes yes and honest that's where
1: that's where our honesty within ourselves comes from because our ego puts tricks on us in- instinctively our ego wants to step forward to protect us and nine times out of ten it's, it's getting it wrong because nine times out of ten it's not that we're in it's not that we're in danger but I'm I work with teenagers a couple of days a week and I see some of the teachers sort of they come in and they walk through the door with their ego in front of them. So their ego steps into that classroom before the person does. And I tell you what, if you walk into a classroom of teenagers like that, you are done for. We have to, and I learned very early on working with these teenagers, you have to leave your ego at the door because otherwise your ego battles with
0: their ego and the whole thing blows. Well, I've had teenagers. I've got a 20-year-old right now that are 24. He's near 24. And then we have two teenage boys in it doesn't work ego never works with them we've got to listen and we've got to allow a negotiation allow. we it's and
1: i've learned that actually it's about talking to them on a level because what they want mainly is to just want to be heard listened to and trusted because they go out and they start to have their own their own thoughts feelings and values where they mix them when they're getting a little bit more freedom so yeah it's, it's a challenging time but there are other ways shall we say. Faye
0: if you had to sum up some of the key steps that will help people in shifting mindset and becoming more confident what would be some of those that you would share with the listeners?
1: Those would be the accept allow and let go so we can work that as an exercise so the next time one of those negative thoughts comes of which we do have a lot in a day but catch a couple of them and sit there with yourself and go, right, okay, what is this thought trying to tell me? So it's kind of accepting that this thought has come, asking yourself, does this thought serve me? Is it real? Is it a thought? Is it going to get me anywhere? Is it going to do anything for me? Accept the thought and go, okay, thank you, thought, for coming and making me aware of X, Y, Z, but I don't need to worry about that at the the moment, which then will be able to allow you a little bit to let go of that thought. And just remember that this is a thought. It doesn't mean it's real. It's a thought. And that is the very first step and being able to reframe those thoughts. So you can do this exercise on a piece of paper. It's it's very simple. So we have on the left-hand side, just put a line line down the center of a piece of paper. On the left-hand side, we have the thought that's come into your mind and then on the right-hand side, we reframe the thought into something that's more supportive of you. And a classic thought might be, I made a mistake today. Everybody's going to laugh. Everyone's going to think I'm stupid, which we've all had that thought where we may have made a mistake. So we need to reframe that and how that's going to support us. So let's have a think about is that thought real? We don't know because we're making assumptions that that's what other people are going to think. And nine times out of ten, people aren't thinking what we think they're thinking. They're too busy thinking about themselves and worrying about what other people are thinking about. Them to worry about what we're thinking about, blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> so true. Oh my goodness, so true. Um, so let's find something that reframes that, which is more along the lines of, I made a mistake today, but tomorrow is a new day. I made a mistake today, but it's going to help me learn and correct that mistake for some other time. Because rather than disempowering ourselves, it lifts ourselves and it brings us into that more positive. So it helps start that positive self-talk cycle and it also helps you to reframe
0: and change, start to change your entire mindset. Exactly. I love that. And such a simple exercise that, you know, for anybody out there who, who knows, and this happens to us, as we said, every day, just do that. You need a paper and a pen. Yeah. And remember the AAL, which is accept, allow, let go. I love that.
1: Faye, this has been a pleasure talking to you. And see, look, we've got
0: life going on around us, but we're still, you know, we carry on. Exactly. And I really enjoy that. How can people connect with you and and the work that you do?
1: I tend to hang about on social. If I'm on social media, I tend to hang around over on Instagram. And my handle is Faye Cox Coaching. I prefer Instagram as a platform. I actually find it a slightly more positive platform, I'm totally honest. So that's where you can find me. Or I do have my own website, which is www.fakeopscoaching.co.uk. And on there, I do have a guide, which is my 12 Ways to Step Into Your Confidence Guide. And that's completely free. But it does ask for you to share your name and your email address so you can go and receive more tips and emails. From me, but I always like to be upfront and transparent about that is that it will ask for your email. address?
0: Faye, hey, that's wonderful. I'm so delighted that we connected and you came on the show. And for the listeners, connect with Faye, follow her on Instagram. I'm sure it will have lots of really great positive tips. Thank you, Faye.
1: Thank you for having me. And it's been a great conversation. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions. Why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback, opinions, and stories matter to me. And I would love to hear from you. So drop me an email, clarissa at clarissachristiansen.com. I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast. And if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support, pop over to my website, clarissachristiansen.com. You can find free resources, And you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger